All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. I meant to put that in the, uh, in the, in the WhatsApp message that it's a beautiful, beautiful daf today. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Yanki and Elisa Statman, Yitzi and Rebecca Statman, creation of the first yard site of their sister, Menucha Shendel Yehudis, Zichron Lebracha Bas and David Yosef. And to thank Shmuel and Rabin Karapkin for dedicating the Shurim this month in creation of the 25th yard site of Rabin's mother, Melanie Solomon, Pesa, Mira, Bas Chaim, Zichron Lebracha. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Zevi and Shoshi Daniel, Le'ilu Nishmas, Refael, Yaakov, Ben Avram, Zichron Levracha. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, uh, Sammy and Malka Esterson, and family memory of their cousin, Miriam Goldfine, Miriam Bas Matisyohu, Allah Shalom, on the occasion of her first yard site. To thank Bill and Razi Eskin, in honor of the birth of a granddaughter born to their children, Nochum and Chaya Eskin, Mazel Tov, and late-breaking Mazel Tov, a Mazel Tov, to Michael and Rachel Leibowitz, Dafyomi's sponsor today, in honor of baby girl Snitzer, Baruch Hashem, her granddaughter. Mamish Sotora is learned in her honor in the first few hours of her life. What an incredible and beautiful simcha. Mazel Tov, and Mirat Hashem, to see her grow into an incredible Bas Yisrael, and an Akaras Habayis Admeh Be'esim Shalim Tovos. And I will say, wow, 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 beautiful. All right, I will say, let us begin. Today's daf is daf ches. Is Daf Ches in Daf Yomi? I think that I put that down correctly over here. Oh. Okay, once Rabbi said, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. Let's go. So we left off on Zayin Amad Beis, and we left off Amar Rabbi Abba. So we'll say it's the last of the short lines, right? The line before the wide lines on 7b. So the Gemara says as follows, Amar Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba says as follows, I was once standing before Rafuna. And there was a particular woman who uttered the name of Hashem in vain. Under the name of Shem and Ben. So let's remember again, this was the sugi we were doing yesterday. So what happened? What happened? So the Gemara says, Shamta, Shamta, Bisharla, the altar, Ba'apa. So we'll say, so, so remember again, Rabbi Abba said he was in front of Rav Huna. What did Rav Huna do to this woman? He excommunicated her. Shamta, Bisharla, the altar, Ba'apa. And then he released her from the excommunication in her presence immediately. Okay, so the Gemara says, So Rabbi Abba says, Shmami no, Tlas. Learn from here three things. What are the three things we learn? So we'll say, so again, we learned this in yesterday. That if you go ahead and you hear someone curse Hashem, you have to excommunicate that person. That's number one. Number two, we learned that if you go ahead and you excommunicate someone in their presence, you have to release them from that excommunication in their presence as well. That we also learned in yesterday's daf. And I will say this is very interesting. The third thing we learn is that there's no minimum duration for excommunication. So in other words, that if you notice what happened in this case over here, this woman was excommunicated and then ultimately released from that excommunication immediately. So you see from here that the halacha is that when a person is excommunicated, as long as they're in that state for some amount of time, even a minimal amount of time, that satisfies the requirement. Incredible. 
So the Gemara says, "Amar Mikidol, Amar Av." This is a beautiful Gemara. Talmud Chacham Minadat Li Atzma Umeifra Li Atzma. Rav Gidol says the name of Rav. A Talmud Chacham has the ability to excommunicate himself and then to release himself from that excommunication. Now the Ran points out over here something very interesting. If you look at the Ran, the Ran is about seven lines up from the bottom. Talmud Chacham Minadat Li Atzma Umeifra Li Atzma. Now six lines up from the bottom. Kasev Arash Bazal the Davka Heichad Delo Havi Barnidui. This is talking about a case where the Tam Chacham himself did not deserve excommunication. So we'll see exactly what this means. The Gemara is going to illustrate this with a case. It shows exactly what it means. But Lamaisa, we're talking about a case where he doesn't deserve excommunication. He's choosing to place himself in a state of Shanta excommunication. The same way he placed himself in that situation, he also has the ability to what? To release himself from that situation. Good. So they go back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, Pshita, that's obvious. That's obvious. So Madhutin, I will say, what would you have thought? I will say, such a profound Gemara. I would have thought that the truth is if he excommunicates himself, he cannot release himself. Why? Because I will say there is a principle that the person who is incarcerated cannot release himself from his own incarceration. Which I will say is a profound statement that Chazal often explained to, used to explain the following dynamic. That sometimes a person, see, I say, life is this interesting dialectic. That on one hand, the buck of my life stops with me. And therefore, I am responsible to get my life on the rails, if it's gone off the rails. And I cannot outsource my success or the responsibility of my success to anyone else. If I succeed, Baruch Hashem, because I've taken the reins. And if I fail, the failure, the responsibility for the failure is mine. That's despite the fact the reflexive reaction in moments of failure is to deflect at the end of the day, the responsibility for my life rests with me. That being said, Chazal also recognized that sometimes I am too enmeshed in my life to be able to see my life objectively and as such have incredible difficulty finding solution to my own problems. That's the expression, the person who is in jail often can't find himself out of, find a way out of his own prison. So even though I'm responsible for my life, I will say, and this is such a profound, so we all know this, because we all live this. There are some times in life where I'm experiencing something, and because I'm in it, because I'm in it, I cannot see a way out of it. I can't, and that's what I will say, that's why we all need people in life, outside of us, to be able to reach out to for guidance and times like that. In Chavosh, so I would have thought, Sigmar is using this over here, I would have thought, if you put yourself in Shamta, if you put yourself in Shamta, you can't get yourself out. Kamash Malon, no, you can. Kamash, no, you can. I will say, but a very profound statement. In Chavosh, sometimes in life, I need someone outside of me to be able to help me navigate out of the complexities of my personal situation. So, Hechidam, so I will say, what's the case? So, what's the case of a Tam Chacham? Excommunicating himself and then releasing himself from the excommunication. Allah says, incredible. Kihadimar Zutra Chasida. Listen to this. When a particular student in the yeshiva would require excommunication. Allah said, by the way, it happens. It happens that sometimes even someone in the yeshiva requires excommunication. So what would happen? So Marzutra, Mishamis Nafshe Beresha, Bahadur Mishamis Barbe Rav. Both listen to this. Before Marzutra would go and excommunicate one of the Tamidi Chachamim, what would he do? He would first place himself in a state of excommunication. 
which I will say is such a profound idea. So before he would punish someone else, before he punished someone else, he would first go ahead and, so to speak, place himself in the same predicament, which I will say is such a profound yisod in terms of a sensitivity towards yisod. I will say, a lot of times, a lot of times it's easy to be cruel to someone when you don't place yourself, when you, when you have no empathy. Right? If you have no empathy, you can act in cruel and unusual ways towards other people. But if you're empathic, right? if you're able to feel what someone else is going through, if you're able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, then suddenly you relate to them dramatically differently. So Marzutra now has to excommunicate someone. It's possible to be cruel and detached. So what does he do? Before he does anything to someone else, he places himself in that very situation. Because I want to feel what that person is going to go through. If I'm able to put myself, to put myself in that same circumstance, then I'm able to deal with it more compassionately. I must say it's incredible, such a sensitivity. So he places himself first in Shanta, then he goes ahead and excommunicates the student. Then I will say, then what happens is incredible. Then when he would go home, Marzutra, Sharilin Afshay, he would release himself from the Shamta before he walked into his house. Then he would release the, the other student who he placed in excommunication. I will say, now why did he have to release himself from the Shamta before going home? Because if you're under Shamta, your family members can't interact with you. Right? The, he, the Ran points this out, was the last line of the Ran. Because if you're under Shamta, your own family members can't go and interact with you. So mostly he would go home and he would release himself first, right? In order not to inconvenience his family members. And then what? And then he would go ahead and release Tam Chachma. another incredible yisod. What do you see from here? What do you see from here? Sometimes Rabosai, for whatever the reason, for whatever the reason, we often have the ability to be much kinder to other people and we take certain liberties with kindness when it comes to our own family. It's just an interesting idea. We see this in life. Sometimes we hurt the people closest to us in ways that we would never hurt other people. We say things to people who are closest to us in things that we would never say to other people. Chesed starts at home. Chesed starts with your own family members. Kindness, empathy, you know, everybody loves chesed because when you go out and you do chesed, like you feel good. If I'm like nice to my family members, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't feel so good. It's like, well, I'm obligated to do it. You know, I, I always tell this story. Remember when they had, um, where did we go to clean up after the hurricane? Do you remember? Seagate. Seagate. We'll say, remember, what hurricane was that? Was that Sandy? Sandy. Remember after Hurricane Sandy, we got buses, right? Buses from Baltimore went to clean up Seagate. And it was this. And, and I remember, like, m- my wife said, it, it's beautiful that you're going to clean out someone else's house. You know, perhaps, you know, we could do some things here, right? And I'm like, no way, you know, to get onto a bus and go to New York and we're there and we're all getting lunch and it's fantastic and we're shoveling schmutz and all this is great. I come exhausted. And like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a solid point. It's, it's, it's actually a really a solid point. There's probably some stuff to do over here before we get on buses and drive around. But again, it feels good. Like, like you're like Superman, you know, going out and to save the world. Well, say it's an incredible yisod. See here, what you see is Marzutra exhibits this exhibits this incredible sense of empathy by going ahead and first placing himself in Shanta before he excommunicates with him. Because before you're going to do something, before you're going to exact justice, 
you have to be empathic, right? Before you're going to mete out punishment, you have to feel for the other. That's the one. By the way, incredible, you saw it in parenting as well, that before a parent punishes a child, before a Rebbe punishes the Talmud, the, the, the punisher has to make sure that they have empathy with the punishee. If that's the right word, right? The punishee. That, that's lesson number one. We'll say lesson number two is as much as you have to be empathic and compassionate with other people, empathy, compassion, rachmanas, begins first with your own family. Marzutra first releases himself because again, he doesn't want to inconvenience his mishpacha, then he inconveniences the, I'm sorry, then he, then he Release. releases, thank you, the other individual. Incredible. Or of Gidlam Rav. We'll say, such incredible Gimar here. From Gidlam Rav, Tap of Ches, Minayin Shenishpan Lekayim Esa Mitzvah, how do you know that you're allowed to swear to perform a mitzvah? Now, both sides, this is an interesting idea. In other words, shvua, remember shvua? We saw this already on Gimel Amad Beis in Nedarim. Shvua is a din in the Gavra versus Nedar on the Chafza. So how do we know that I'm allowed to swear to perform a mitzvah? So what does this mean? I could take a shvua. I could say, I swear to put on tefillin today. I swear to keep Shabbos. I swear to go. How do you know that you're allowed to swear to take a mitzvah, to make a mitzvah? Shenemar nishpati va'akayema l'shmar mishpatei tzidkecha. So what's it? Because David HaMelech says, in Chabetel Kofiotes, 119, literally, I swore va'akayema to uphold, to go ahead and observe mishpatei tzidkecha. So David HaMelech essentially is saying is, I swore to perform your mitzvahs. So he must say, one second, how can you swear? V'halo mushba va'omid mehar sinaihu. But one second, I will say there's a concept that if you're already under oath to do something, you cannot go ahead and take another shvua. In other words, so I'm already under oath to do mitzvos. Where am I under oath? We took an oath at Har Sinai. Nasev and Ishma was a form of a shvua. So therefore, I'm already under oath to perform mitzvos. If I'm already under oath, then why am I allowed to go ahead and take and, perf- and take another shvua, take another oath? So I'll say, this is incredible. Ela hakamash malan, dishari inshi lizaruze nafshe. So I will say, what do you see from here? First of all, if you take a look, I should say, if you look at Rashi, I will say, okay, the Mepharish on the right-hand side, so Rashi says over here, what's the oath? Where, where am I under oath from Har Sinai? So Rashi says, So it's interesting, Rashi quotes two possibilities, either Vishinamtam, now we now remember again, Vishinamtam it's really Vishinamtam Levanecha, you will teach your children. We see that as the mitzvah of Chinuch. But in fact, the Yumar actually subdivides that. There's Vishinamtam, which is an idea that I, the person has to be well versed in Torah, which makes sense because you can't teach your kids unless you your you yourself first know. So Vishinamtam, or again he quotes the Pasik from Yeshua, Yahushua, Lo Yomusha Sefar Picha. Okay, in any event. The point of the Gemara says, well, how can you go ahead and take a shvua? You're already under oath. To which the Gemara says, What do you see from here? That a person is permitted to take an oath in order to give themselves zrizos. So we'll say some overlap between our, between our Mesilas Yisharim world and our Adafiyomi world. We'll say that you see, what's the point of a shvua? The point of a shvua will say, sometimes I need a little bit of like a push. Sometimes I need a little bit of just, of just a, a little bit of zrizos. So what does a shvua do? A shvua, a shvua to perform a mitzvah, doesn't necessarily provide me with an additional layer of, 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 of responsibility. Because responsibility is already there. So what does the shvua provide me with? A boost of zrizos. 
The Shavua says, come on, you know, get it together. Move yourself forward. I will say, so the so Tzadik. The Tzadik says something we haven't done. We haven't done in a little while. But the Tzadik says something so beautiful. The Tzadik writes, I want to quote to you. He says, The Tzadik says, when we sin, why do we sin? We don't sin because we're bad. We're good. We're all good. We don't sin because we don't care. Because we care a lot. We don't sin because we don't love Hashem. We love Hashem incredibly. So why do we sin, says Rabbi Tzaddik? Because of shechacha. Because we forget. It's a lapse of awareness. I forget my responsibilities. I forget my obligations. That's why I end up sinning. And Rabbi Tzaddik says, and sometimes, listen to this, Wow. Rabbi Tzaddik says, sometimes I remember intellectually, but I don't remember in my heart. The reason I commit Averis is because I forget about who I am, what I am, and what my responsibility in this world is. He says, He says, because if I remember in my heart that there's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if I remember in my heart what my responsibilities are, I would never forget. Therefore, So what he says, Rabbi Sadiq, what does it mean that I'm allowed to take a Shavuot to perform a mitzvah? Because what a shvuah does is a shvuah prevents me from forgetting. They'll say, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? That halach alamaisa, says Rabbi Tzadik HaKohen, I commit Averis because I forget. A shvuah prevents me from forgetting. Sometimes I just need something, something to push me to remember my obligations in my heart, who I am, what I am, what I'm capable of becoming. I should remember it on my own. There's a lot of things I should be doing on my own. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, sometimes I just need the Shavua to be able to help me, help me forward. I will say one more piece. Uh, let, let's, just, let's just finish this soon, and then I'll go back and take one other piece. Amarav Gidl, Amarav. I was about to say so, right, so much to do on, on this particular piece. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you one, one, one more additional piece. So the Kotzker, the Kotzker says something amazing. The Kotzker writes, he says, Actually, you know what? Let's go a little bit weiter. Let's go a little bit weiter. Amrav Homer, Ashkim, we'll get to the end of this and then, and then I'll show you the Katska. Amrav Gidl, Amrav. Homer, Ashkim, Ve'eshna Perekzeh. We'll say this is very, this is very Lamaisa for us. Let's say a person says, I'm going to wake up early in the morning, right? And learn this particular Perek. Ve'eshna, Mesechta Zu. Right? You know what I'm saying? This is incredible. I'm going to wake up early to learn a Mesechta. Okay, I'm going to learn a Mesechta. So the Gemara says, Zu neder gadol neder leloke Yisrael. Also, listen to how beautiful this is. Well, we'll say how incredible shayach is this for us. Person makes a, a person makes a neder, right? A person says, "I'm going to wake up early in the morning to learn dafyomi. I'm going to wake up early, early in the morning to learn this masechta." And a person says it as a neder. Now, we'll say he doesn't really mean that. The, the gemara doesn't mean a lashon neder. How do you know the gemara doesn't mean a lashon neder? Because you can't make a neder like this is not a neder. Why? Well, I was like, let's go back. What does a neder devolve upon? An object, right? Really what he means over here is what is a person making? A shvua. So I'll say, a person makes a shvua. I'm going to wake up early in the morning to learn a mesechta, to learn dafyomi. Then what? Zu neder gadol nader leloke Yisrael. This is a great neder, a great thing that a person has problems with. I'll say, by the way, do you hear this? Do you hear this? The Gemara is telling us that what we do every single morning is a great accomplishment. We'll say, you know, sometimes you do things in life and you wonder to yourself, is this really the right thing to do? 
Right, right. Sometimes, especially when you're operating on very few hours of sleep, right, that thought is persistent in one's mind. Right, is this really the right thing to do? In other words, maybe I should learn a little bit later, be a little bit more relaxed, be a little bit more rested. I'll get a chavrusa later on, or something else later on. Is it really the best idea to wake up early in the morning to learn Hakadosh Baruch Hu? I will say, if you ever had any doubt about what we do day in and day out, whenever you have doubts, Nidarim. Ches Amut Aleph. Haomer Ashkim Ve'eshne Perekzeh. Eshne Mesech Tuzu. Person, I will say, by the way, it's Kafka, these words. I will say, why? Why, why? why does the Gemara frame it as, I'll get up early in the morning? I will say, because you know the best part about, of the best part about going ahead and learning early in the morning, the best part is there are no distractions. There are distractions, but only if you allow yourself to get distracted. There are no, there are, there are no natural distractions, right? No one's getting calls from the office yet, yet. There might be other things that have, I'm saying, but Lamaisa, Lamaisa, this is why Chazal choose this example. There is no better time in the day than to learn than 5.45 in the morning because nothing else is going on in life. The rest of the world is asleep. And when the rest of the world is asleep, you could have an hour of Nechasruach. An hour of quiet to be able to focus on my Torah, my relationship with Hashem. So the Gemara says, you, you find the courage to do that. You find the courage to give up your sleep. To learn a Masechta. Harizu neder gadol. Nader lelokei Yisrael. What a promise. What a promise you have made to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Once again, why would a Shavuot like this take effect? After all, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already adjured. Right? Is that the right word? I'm already adjured? Right? I'm already under oath. Right? I'm already under oath. To go ahead and learn Torah. So I'll say the Gemara says, listen to this. Ultimately, again, but one oath can't evolve upon another oath. So therefore, what would be the impact of taking the Shavuot to learn a Masechta every single morning? So maybe you'll say again, because what's the point of taking this oath? It's to give myself an extra push to do it. To which the Gemara says, We already learned that. So we'll say this is very interesting. Although I have an obligation to learn Torah each and every day, technically speaking, the Gemara is suggesting one could go ahead and fulfill that obligation with Kriyashma. Right, I will say, every day I have an obligation to say Kriyashma in the morning and the evening. Kriyashma is a section of Torah. As such, technically speaking, I could go ahead and, I could kind of, for lack of a better term, kill two birds with one stone. Right? I could go ahead and daven Kriyashma, and at the same time, what? Fulfill my obligation of Talmud Torah within one section. So I don't have an obligation to learn anymore. So if I take a Shavua, if I take a Shavua, then I'm going to wake up every single morning to go ahead and learn a Masechta. I'm going to wake up early in the morning to learn a Masechta. Then ultimately, again, that Shavua that does devolve upon me. Why? Because I'm not, all I'm Mushrava Omed is what? To learn Torah. And I can satisfy that obligation with a core basic unit of Kriyashma every morning and every evening. Take on something additional, at the end of the day, take on something additional, there's room for that shvul to devolve upon me, and therefore such a shvul will take effect. I'll say, I'll just point out something amazing, even without the shvul, even without the shvul, a person who commits himself every single day to wake up early and learn a mesechta, the Gemara tells us, Hare zu nader neder gadol ledokei Yisrael. Just know, you've done something great for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So I'll say, if, if we have time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to finish the daft today, but if we have time, just I'm going to come back. I owe you an incredible, incredible cutsker. 
But Amir Hashem will come back to this. So Gemara says as follows: Amrav Gidol, Amrav, Haomer lechaveiro. We'll say another beautiful Gemara. Nashkim v'nishne paragzeh. We'll say let's let's say a person says to his friend, let's get up early and learn this particular mesecta. So a person says to his friend, either I was either he's saying let's come to a shir together. Already saying, let's learn Bechavrusa together. But let's get up early in the morning and learn together. So I love Lahashkim. We'll say, get ready for this. The person who made the suggestion has the primary obligation to get up first in the morning. In other words, we'll say, so, so what do you want to say this? So, so I go over to Ruben and say, Ruben, hey, great idea. Let's learn the Sachas and the Dharam together early in the morning. Beautiful. I, as the person who originated the idea, the originator of the idea, have the obligation to go ahead and be there first. Which I will say means, it's an incredible, what, what is the Gemara teaching us? If you have a, right, the world is filled with people who have great ideas. What is the world lacking? People who execute on great ideas. So the Gemara says, you have a great idea? Fantastic. You have the obligation to execute. Right, so you go with the Ruben. Ruben, let's learn early in the morning. Fantastic. You have the obligation to be there for the Chavusa chapter, for the Shir first. First, if you're the originator, then you have the obligation to be the executor as well. This is such an incredible idea. Where do we know this from? Shneemar. This is such a fascinating mucker. So we'll say this is from Micheskel. So we'll say so. What happens? Get up, go to the valley, and there I will speak with you. So Cheska said, I went out to the valley. And Hashem was there. So what does the Gemara see from here? It was a Kaddish Baruch whose idea to speak to Yechazkel. Right? So what happens? He said, meet me in the valley. And who's there first? HaKadosh Baruch So from here you see that if you come up with an idea, right? Don't just be the idea guy, but be the ex. Don't just be the innovator, but be the executor as well. At the end, it was, it's such an incredible you sort in life in so many different ways. In group dynamics, right? If you have an idea for the chevra, don't float the idea. Be the person who executes the idea just in your own life. Forget about other people also. You have a beautiful idea, fantastic. Don't allow ideas to remain locked away in that great closet of idea that is filled with so many beautiful ideas, goals, and aspirations. If you have something good, find the courage not just to imagine it, but to execute on it as well. I'm going to be safe. So I'll say another, another Gemara, incredible, so much good stuff here. Listen to this. Let's say you were excommunicated in a dream. You had a dream, you had a dream, and in the dream you were excommunicated. So we'll say, what's that halacha? So we'll say, you need 10 people to go ahead and, you need 10 people to go ahead and release you from that. And I'll both say, if you take a look at the run for just a moment, this run is five lines up from the bottom. Here's the case. I had a dream. And in my dream, I was excommunicated. That's the dream. That's the dream. Now I will say, who was I excommunicated by? Let's assume for a moment right now, I had a dream that Akash Baruch excommunicated me. So what do you have to do with that? So the Gemara says, you have to be concerned that perhaps that dream is a message from Hashem. So I'm say, this goes back to the ninth chapter of Masechus Brachas, which we're going to reference in, uh, on the beginning of Ahmed Beis, which is, what is the impact or the message of dreams? Do dreams have meaning? Dreams not have. So remember again, in, in the sugi of dreams, there are school, three schools of thought. School of thought number one, dreams are absolutely meaningless. School of thought number two, dreams are absolutely meaningful. And then school of thought number three, which is kind of like a hybrid model. Every dream has meaning, 
but also has nonsensical, meaningless parts as well. So the Gemara says like this, if I have a dream that I've been excommunicated, excommunicated me in the dream, that's serious. That's serious. And it's possible, it's possible that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is communicating to me that I've done something which has landed me in a spot of divine excommunication. So what do I have to do? I have to get up, convene a group of 10 people. Why 10? But we'll say 10 is a minion. 10 is a minion. And the Shekhinah is Shorah in a minion. The Shekhinah itself, the divine presence rests within any group of... We saw this brothers. The Shekhinah goes ahead and rests in any assembly of 10 people. But not any 10 people. But who? The Tanu Hilchasa. Only people who learn Halacha, specifically Gimara. Ava Masnu Velo Tanu. So we'll say, Machlokis had to translate this. Interesting enough, the, the Ran understands this as Masnu as people who teach Torah, Tanu is people who learn Torah, but ultimately then, then the, the Ran goes on to explain, no, it refers to people, Masnu means people who, I'm sorry, Tanu means people who learn Gemara, Masnu means people who learn Mishnah. So in other words, the 10 people can't be any regular 10 people, you need serious Talmud Chachamim. Watch this, watch this. But if you're only people who learn Mishnah, but not Gemara, that's not enough. But if you don't have people who learn Gemara, learn, learn Halacha, then fine, you could assemble 10 people who learn Mishnah. And I'll say, now watch this. We'll say, what happens if you don't even have 10 people who learn Mishnah? Let's say I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in an area where just there aren't people who really learn a lot, or they learn, but they learn Chumash, they learn Mishnah, so I can't even assemble 10 people who learn Mishnah. What do I do? We'll say, get ready for this. Lezel v'lesev aparshas drachim, the Yasef Shama Lebeyud. So we'll say, stand at the crossroads. Give Shalom Aleichem. Give Shalom Aleichem to 10 people. Well, the crossroads is because there's pedestrian traffic. So give Shalom Aleichem to 10 people. Ademikli le'asara digamri hochosa. So we'll say, and get, in other words, say Shalom Aleichem. Get Shalom Aleichem back from 10 people. And that will hold you over until you're able to assemble a group of 10 to ultimately, again, annul the excommunication, to annul the Shamta. Shabbos say, a wild Gemara. Wild Gemara on a number of different levels. So here's what we've got. I have a dream, and in the dream, right? I have a dream, and in the dream, I'm excommunicated. Sounds like by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I need to address that. How do I address that? Assemble a group of 10. Not any 10. 10 Tamidi Chachamim, as defined as 10 people learn Gemara. Okay, if I have 10 people learn Gemara, 10 people go out and learn Mishnah. Okay, can't find 10 people that are Mishnah. What do you do? Put yourself on the crossroads. Say Shalom Aleichem to 10 people. Get Shalom Aleichem back. So we'll say, remember, what does it mean get Shalom Aleichem back? We'll say, I just want to point out to you the power of getting a Shalom Aleichem from another Jew. When a, when a Jew tells you Shalom Aleichem, or you say Shalom Aleichem to someone, you're giving that person a bracha. That person is giving you a bracha. Giving you a bracha. So I will say, so understand the power of that, right? Peace be upon you. Shalom is the name of Hashem. You get a bracha from another Jew, that's powerful. You give a bracha to another Jew, that's powerful. I have an incredible, incredible Rabbi Yitzchak Rabbi story, which, okay, we're going to get into the dot first. I'll you a Chatzker and Rabbi Yitzchak. It's lining up, it's lining up. I will say about the power of just a simple bracha to another Jew. So the Gemara says, get... Ten Shalom Aleichem. Ten Shalom. So we'll say, we don't know the power we have to give bracha to, other, to others and the power we have or the beautiful opportunity we have to get bracha from others. Just 
a simple heartfelt Shalom Aleichem makes all, potentially makes all of the difference in the world. So at least you get 10 Shalom Aleichems, that'll hold you over until you could go ahead and assemble a group of 10 to release you from the Shamta. Incredible. So the Mother goes like, Ravina, the Ravashi, Man Yada Shamte, so the Gemara says, so ma, ma, I'm sorry, so the Gemara says, Man shamte amale le lo So we'll say, listen to this. So Ravina says, what happens, what happens if in the dream, I have a dream about someone excommunicating me? So we'll say, so let's say in my dream, I dream Ruven excommunicated me, right? So now the way I view the dream is that, is that Ruven is a shaliach of Hashem, to communicate that Hashem is excommunicating me. So can I now, now that I saw that it was Ruvain, can I go to Ruvain and have Ruvain release me from the excommunication? To which the Gemara says, It's possible that Hashem only made Ruvain the Shaliach to communicate the excommunication, but did not make Ruvain the Shaliach to release me from the excommunication. So because of that, I have to go ahead and assemble the group of ten. What happens in my dream? If I have a dream that I've been excommunicated by Hashem, or, or in other words, someone's, someone's related to me excommunication, but I've also been released. So in the same dream, I was excommunicated and then released from the excommunication. What do I do now? So I'll say again, so Ravashi said, the same way that grain always has chaff, almond base, kach, kach, so to every single dream always has sensical, sensible and non-sensible parts, sensical parts to it. So the concern over here is like this. In any given dream, I don't know what's real, what's not real. So if I have a dream in which I was excommunicated and then released from excommunication, the problem is, for all I know, the excommunication may be real and the non-excommunication, and the, I should say, and the release may not be real. So because of that, I still have to go through the process of release from the excommunication. Incredible. Ravina Havale Nidra Lidvisu. Was interesting? Okay, transitioning a little bit over here. So Ravina, Ravina had a situation where his, where his wife what, took, took a nether. She took a nether. So I say, so now Ravina wants to now, it's interesting. Normally a husband has the ability to release his wife from a vow. So the so the so the Ran goes ahead and points out over here one of two things, right? Chudis Ran and Rashi. Rashi points out over here is that maybe the Ran's husband only has the ability to revoke the vow or to annul the vow when halacha lamaisa it's the day that she made it, right? Or the day that he hears it, I should say. So it could be the day went by and he didn't take advantage of it, or again the the Ran points out maybe he originally affirmed the neder but now wants to help her revoke it. Okay, whatever the situation is, the point is his ability to annul the vow has now passed. So now well, watch this. So, so Ravina, how really nidra ledvisu? Ravina's wife, Ravina's wife made a nether. And now he wants to help his wife get out of the nether. Ravashi. So he came before Ravashi. Amalei, bal maushi yasa shliach lecharata sishto. Shabbos said there's a mechanism called charata. Charata means remorse. Right, I regret ever having made that nether, and that creates an opening for annulment of the nether. So here, here was Ravina Shaila. Ravina goes to Ravash. She says, here's the issue. Can I be my wife's shliach for the annulment of her nether? That's the question. Simple, straight-out question. Can, can a husband be his wife's shliach 
in order to annul her nether. So so to which to Travashi responded, in ilolo. If there is already a group, in other words, if there's already a base then gathered, then you can go ahead and and use that already gathered base then. But you cannot gather a base then to go ahead and annul your wife's vow. So the idea will say, so it's very interesting. So what Ravashi was saying to Rabin is technically it could be done, but you can't go ahead and make a whole process out of it. Now why not? Now why not? So it's actually very interesting. So the Ran, so the Ran brings down two possibilities over here. Right? If you so the Ran says one possibility is if you look, it's actually in the middle of the Ran, like right right next to Artosis is Umaskinan Dafilo in Ilo Lo the Afagab the Ishtoki Gufo, Lo Kilo Gabe Bal Eleheka de Michnefe, about the Lichnefe Lechatila Gabe Lo, Kevan and the Chabarta de Milsa Shua Noda Asmosham. They both say the concern is that technically we are willing to allow a husband to come on behalf of his wife, to represent it, to be his wife Shaliach, to go and know her nether. They both say that is a unique opportunity that exists by husband and wife. Why? Because by marriage, what do we say? Right? That one spouse is like themselves. But it doesn't work by any other. In other words, I was saying, in any other situation, if somebody wants to have their nether annulled, the node there, the vower, has to appear before the basin themselves. So essentially, what Ravash was saying to Ravina is look, if there's already a basin that's convened, you, you, Ravina, could slip in there, represent your wife, get her nether annulled. You can't start convening a group. Why can't you start convening a group? Because we'll say convening a group is a much bigger to do. Other people are going to see it. And if other people are going to see it, they can walk with an erroneous understanding that what? That what? That anyone could be a shaliach for someone else to another neder. And that is not the halacha. This is a unique opportunity that a husband has for his wife that does not apply to any other relationship. Therefore, the Gemara says, Shemamina, plus we learn three things from here. Shemamina, Baal Nasa Shliach Lecharot Asishto. Number one, a husband could become a shaliach for the remorse of his wife, which I will say such a, such a profound statement in and of itself, that a husband is a shaliach for the regret or the remorse of his wife. So I will say, so again, in this context, it means he could be the shaliach to help her annul the vow, you know, on a deeper level, on a deeper level. So what's the role of a husband? What's the role of a husband? To ultimately be a source of support for his wife in times of pain and in times of difficulty. Husband's shaliach lecharotas ishto. When my wife has charata, when my wife has remorse, when my wife has difficulty, when my wife is undergoing challenges, I'll say the job of a husband is to be the rock. The job of the husband is to be a support, right? Everyone likes to be engaged in relationships when things are going well. But sometimes when there's times of difficulty and times of challenge, it's incredible to see how often a husband checks out. I, I can't do it. I can't do it, right? I, I can't be the emotional support. Have to get, we have to get someone else. Have to, find, have, to, have to find someone else. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's the whole job of a husband. Right? The job of a husband is not to go ahead and hold his wife's hand when times are good. I mean, he, that is his job. But the wife said, that's easy. That's enjoyable. That's pleasurable. When is the real role of a husband? In times of crisis. Bal shaliach lecharatas ishto. In times of charata, times of difficulty, in times of pain, that's when a husband has the obligation to be his wife shaliach. That's number one. Shmami no, lo shart in the Mishnah Nidra, basud rabbi. This is fascinating. I will say now, technically speaking, a Talmud Chacham has the ability to go ahead and release a person from a vow. And I will say, so why can't Ravina, 
in the role of a Talmud Chacham, forget about a husband, in the role of a Talmud Chacham, release his own wife from her vow. Not her husband, it's Talmud Chacham. Why? Because Ravina lived in the locale of Ravashi. Ravashi was his Rebbe. Ravashi was Ravina's Rebbe. So in the locale of, if you are in proximity to your Rebbe, you can't go ahead and release people from vows. And say, what else do you see? You see that if there is already a basin that is gathered, a husband is able to be his wife's shaliach to release her from her vow. Incredible. And Rabbi say, this is all by releasing from vows. The shanta, Rabbi say, what happens if a person is under an excommunication ban? And now we want to release them from the excommunication ban. Shari shanta. Shabbos says, it's very interesting. To release a person from excommunication, even a student in the presence of his Rebbe, in the presence of his Rebbe, is permitted to do that. And even a Yachid Mumcha. Yachid Mumcha means an individual who is an expert in these matters is permitted to release one. We'll say, now it makes a lot of sense. Why? Why? Because Shanta represents a person who is in a state of pain and discomfort. When it comes to relieving someone's pain and discomfort, existential pain and discomfort, so a student does not have to go ahead and be, what's the word? Subser- not subservient. Doesn't have to be doesn't have to bow, so to speak, to the Rebbe. In other words, it's an incredible idea. So when it comes to releasing from a nether, so again, that a student should be mindful of the covenant of his Rebbe, and a student should not engage in this area of halacha when his Rebbe is present. When someone's under a ban of excommunication, and now we can release them, so, so we're not worried about the student-Rebbe relationship. We're going to get the person out of that complicated state, which must say something amazing. Essentially, when a Jew is in pain, when a Jew is in pain, and you have the ability to release them from that pain, all other cheshbonos go out the window. You do what you have to do to release another person, to release another yid from their pain. I, but my Rebbe said, don't worry about your Rebbe. Don't worry about the Rebbe. Don't worry about Just get the job done now. Incredible. It's like the, the hadrons over here, right? So let's say, so let's say, good. All these people said, my dichsev. What's the meaning of the following statement, Rabbi Osei? The Gemara quotes the Pasuk, beautiful Pasuk from Malachi. So literally again, it says, so, so it will shine for you those who revere my name. What will shine for you? Shemesh Tzedakah. Ultimately again, a son, a son, S-U-N, Shemesh Tzedakah of, of, of charity or righteousness. Marpe, a healing son, Bichnafah. So we'll say, what's the meaning of this of this statement? This is what you see from here. Literally, again, I will say, if you look, if you look at the Ran, it's actually beautiful. Look at the last three lines of the Ran. So we'll say, the Gemara is calling it, calling it the sun particles. The truth is, it's not really the sun particles. It's the particles that you see floating in the air when the sun like shines through the window. So that's not really sun. They call it sun particles. as whatever, dust particles. But the part, those particles have restorative healing powers. Have restorative healing powers. So the Gemara says, that, that's the Lashon over here. The sun has restorative powers. So the Gemara says, "Amr Abayi Shmami Nachi Gud Yomasi." Upligir Rav Shimon Lagish the Amr, because the Gemara says he argues on the interpretation of Rish Lagish. How does Rish Lagish interpret this pasuk? Get ready for this. The Amr, 
Ein Gehenem Le'olam Haba. Now let's translate this phrase very carefully. There's no Gehenem in Olam Haba. Now what does that mean? Look at the Ran. Ein Gehenem Le'olam Le'asid Lavo. Rather Ran says, Lav La'achram Isakamar. This is not talking about what happens after you die. Devada Ika Gehenem Le'rashayim. There is most certainly Gehenim. Right? Just like there's Olam Haba after we die, there's also the possibility of Gehenim after we die. Ella, this is incredible. Ella, La'asid Lavo. This is talking about the Yimosa Mashiach, the Messianic era. So after resurrection of the dead, Rabbi say, so watch this. This is incredible. Rabbi you know, we spent so much time in Ksuvas talking about again who's resurrected, how they're resurrected. So the Gemara here has a different approach. The Gemara says, Listen to this. The Gemara seems to indicate like this. Mashiach comes, there is Shoim, experience some level of resurrection as well. It's incredible. But I will say, let me tell you, as I don't see it inside, but in the resurrection of the Rishayim, why, why are they resurrected? They're resurrected because their judgment comes in this world. So you will say, after a Rasha dies, his, his din, his just, his judgment takes place in Gehenna. Then Mashiach comes, there's Trias Anesim. Everyone says the Gemara is resurrected. But the judgment of the Rishayim continues in this world, in this resurrected world. And how are they judged? They both say, get ready for this. Go back to the Gemara. Go back to the Gemara. Ela Kaddish Baruch, that's what it means. Amr in Gehenna Le'olam When Mashiach comes, the Rishon are resurrected as well. They come back to this world. They're taken out of Gehenna, resurrected, come back into this world. And what happens? Ela Kaddish Baruch Hu Motzi Chama Min Atika. In Yemosa Mashiach, Kaddish Baruch Hu unsheaths the sun. He takes the sun out of its casing, which seems to indicate to us that the sun will be stronger in the messianic era. And what happens, we'll say, now what happens with this intense heat? Tzadikim is The tzadikim are healed by the restorative, strong rays of the sun. Or rishayim And the rishayim are judged through this same heat of the sun. Because the Pasuk says, Hashem says, the Navi says, excuse me, that the sun will shine for you, those who revere my name, a sun of righteousness or of justice, of judgment, and of healing. So we'll say, isn't this incredible? So in Yemosa Mashiach, when there's resurrection, everyone is resurrected. And the Kaddish Baruch who takes out the sun in its full intensity. And it's those rays, those rays, which heal the tzaddikim. Which we'll say is interesting. What are they being healed from? So we'll say, you know, the great, the great unknown of Tchiyas Anisim as well. What's the great unknown? Is how do you come back? Right, right? Do you come back in the state in which you died? Do you come back as a young, young person? How, how, how do you come back? So the Gemara seems to indicate over here, well, the Gemara doesn't indicate over here. All we know is that when you come back, ultimately, again, there's healing that has to occur. The tzaddikim are healed by ultimately, again, the rays of the sun. And their shayim are judged. Their shayim are judged and are afflicted by those very same rays. Incredible. V'lo'od not only are the tzaddikim healed by those rays, but the tzaddikim have the ability again to, to derive incredible pleasure and enjoyment from those rays. Because 
Because we'll say the Pasik says that day will come, Messianic redemption will come, Tchas Mesim will come, and the sun will burn like an oven. So we'll say just this incredible, incredible idea. Incredible idea. That Halakha again, Messianic era, the same sun that heals the Tzadikim, ultimately again will go ahead and will go ahead and judge the Shah. We'll say in the two minutes we have left. I don't have time for a Tzadik, but I'll just tell you the Maestro Ablady Yitzchak of There's a story. There's a story of a Chassid that once came to Ablady Yitzchak. And he came to the Rebbe, we'll call him for, for illustrative purposes, Yankel. Right? So Yankel came to Rabbi Yitzchak each and every year by Elul to get a bracha for Xiv Chasimatova. The story is told that one year of Yankel comes to the Rebbe and he shows up to the Rebbe and comes the first day, comes to the Rebbe. The Gabbai, Gabbai won't let him in to see the Rebbe. Rabbi Yitzchak can't see you today. And he comes back the second day. This process repeats itself a number of times. So finally, it's just, it's just a few days before, a day before, three days before Rosh Hashanah, and still he can't get in to see the Rebbe. He wants desperately to go home to his family, but how do you go home to your family without a bracha from Rabbi Yitzchak of Berdichev for Aksira Hasimatova? So he decides, you know what? I'll spend Rosh Hashanah in Berdichev. I'll stay here. I'll stay here. Stays Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe won't give him the time of day. Won't give him the time of day. So he goes, finally after Rosh Hashanah, he has no choice but to return home. He's making his way back home. He stops at an inn. Every good Hasidish Shemaisa occurs at an inn. Right? So he comes to an inn, sitting with the Hasidim. Again, on his way home, the Hasidim see that Rabbi Yankel is, is so dejected, so tzibrachim, so downtrodden. They see, Yankel, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's the problem? What's the problem? So Yankel tells the whole story. Every year I go to the Arab Lady Yitzvah for a bracha of a of a chasimatova. A bracha just for a good year. This year I went, the Rebbe wouldn't even give me the time of day. I'm so upset. So Yanko, don't be upset. They say, the Hasidim say, Chevra, let's make a Lechayim to Rabbi Yanko. And one by one, each of the Hasidim there make Lechayim to Rabbi Yanko, Lechayim to Rabbi Yanko, Lechayim to Rabbi Yanko. They each give him this beautiful bracha. Beautiful bracha. So I say, so what happens? By the end of the night, Yanko's feeling pretty good. Right? A lot of Lechayim, Baruch Hashem. He decides, you know what? I have time. I'm going back to Berdichev. I'm going back to Berdichev to try to see the Rebbe once more. Turns himself around the next morning, goes back to Berdichev. He walks in. Who's waiting for him at the entrance of the base Medrash? Rebbe Yitzhak and Berdichev. The Rebbe says, Yankov, I'm so happy to see you. And the Rebbe brings him in, gives him a beautiful bracha, and says, Yankov, go home to your mishpacha. It should be exiva chasimotova. Gmach, it's a beautiful year. So Yankov's flying around. He says, Rebbe, just before I go, can I just ask you, what's going on? Right? I spent days, you wouldn't give me the time of day. Now I come back and you give me this beautiful, effusive greeting, such a warm bracha. His uncle, I'll tell you, when you came to me before Rosh Hashanah, I saw that the din for you for this year was not good. And I saw that there was nothing in my power that I could do to change it. Nothing I could do to change it. And I didn't have the heart to face you. I didn't have the heart to talk to you. I didn't have the heart to tell you what was going on. So I figured just better if, if, I just, if I just don't say anything. But then you went to that inn and you received bracha after bracha, l'chaim to life, l'chaim to life, l'chaim to life. And all of those simple Jews gave you the most heartfelt, beautiful, simple, genuine brachas, Yanko, that changed your gzardin. You went from misa to chayim. You went from onish to schad. You went from Russia to Tzaddik, not because of my bracha, but because of all of the Lechayim, because all of the brachas of those simple Jews. They changed your Gzardin. And now that they changed your decree above, ultimately, again, I'm happy to give you another bracha of a Gemach Simatova, of a good Gebenshdiyar. 
That was the Maisa of Levi Yitzchak. And Abos Hasad the Gemara says, again, the power of a Shalom Aleichem from another Jew, the power of a Lechayim from another Jew, is beyond our comprehension. And Abos Hasad Shkoyach, it's not there for today. <laughs> a little early, a little early at the... Uh...